Hi there, everybody. It's Robert from the 7500 to Holt podcast, The Holtcast. And as you can tell, Jack is not with me today. Jack is actually down in Florida doing some Bundesliga coverage for their Florida Cup or whatever it is they're calling that thing. Um, and rather than having me drone on for half an hour by myself, we decided to bring in our writer, Adam Clark. So he's making his debut on the podcast. Welcome in, Adam. Hi. Thank you very much, Robert. Uh, uh, very happy to be making my, my debut on we all know that Villa debutantes score goals in their debuts, so famous for such things. I'm I'm expecting such a performance here. Uh, and one quick note: apologies for the lack of video. We're dealing with some internet connectivity issues, so we figured that uh, we would prioritize good sound over having video. So we both shut off our cameras. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, this will make for one of the strangest experiences you've ever watched. Yeah, I'm coming in as the correspondent this time. Yeah, little pulsating figures. I, I love the idea of this. Uh, but we've got a lot to get to today. Jack and I have been running around half an hour, and I can't see any way we fit this all in in half an hour today, but we'll keep going until we've run out, until Adam has to leave. Our first topic we have to talk about, if only briefly, Leicester City. What happened there? I'll talk about it. I mean, what happened... Is that we almost got thrashed four or five nil inside here at the bottom of the table. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing that really struck me was the number of chances that Leicester missed. Nugent alone, I think, should have had three solid goals and just couldn't convert any of them. And, you know, they end up with only the one. Absolutely. But, you know, I think Watson knows that not a fair match. You know, this was our worst performance of the season? Absolutely. I think it's one of the worst performances we've seen from Villa in a couple of years. Yeah. Sanchez uh, and Jaro Sikore, who were excellent up until this point. Uh, they both had bad matches. The attack was what we expected. And then Kieran Kudinai's performer got sent off at the end. Yeah, uh, and that was a real shame, too, because I think Clark had, far and away, the best day of any Villa player. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not actually Westwood possibly comes in sort of credit from that match. Addison continues to be a complete surprise player of the year. This was not good. Yeah, no, it, it was it was really tough. The From a bad Villa perspective, the thing that really struck me is they had all the room in the world in the final third, and they look scared to take it. They look scared to make runs. Absolutely. Um, and the problem that's striking me at the moment is lack of footballing intelligence in this side. Um, to adapt their play to on the pitch. So the couple of times that we saw it was when Gongho was running in on Teke, and no one seemed to pick up on that, try and promote that as a tactic for us. It just fell by the way. Yeah, it was... I mean, there, there were a couple of moments where... God, who was it? I think it was Cleverly would pick up the ball and go charging up the pitch, and Agbon Lahore, who has all the pace in the world, would end up right next to him not making a move, not making a run, and there's all the space in the world you could ask for back there, and just refused to go for it. So they couldn't make a forward pass because the forwards wouldn't get in position. Absolutely, and I think right there is forwards. Just on Gabby, this isn't just on Clever, on you know the guys who have been in season. This is also on Christian. Yeah, Benteke had a nightmare. I mean, what did he get? Something like five offside flags? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in comparison, the day afterwards when we watched Lukaku uh, for Everton, and he was, he was making runs, and he was doing all the things that we'd hope Benteke would do, and looked frustrated and angry and lost any of his teammates on the pitch. Yeah, it, it was... Night and day comparison. And and night and day, too, between the Benteke that we know we can see. Absolutely. Um, I think he's just... I think he's um, in the rest of this side. 
I think he's lost interest in playing for Aston Villa. Um, you know, he's been here before the contract, mm-hmm. um, I guess two and a half seasons ago now. I think he definitely doesn't want to <laughs> doesn't want to contract through. No, absolutely. And on the one hand, you can't blame him for that. But on the other hand, the thing that I will never understand. Uh, that seems so prevalent in soccer is players who don't want to be there just sort of stop playing when you need to play well to get to go somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's not doing himself any favors, and he's doing Villa any favors in terms of what his eventual play will be, because you have to assume he goes. Um, on the other hand, you know, I had one season where I scored over 20 goals. That's enough for me. Yeah, it's yeah. That's a good point. It's just, you know, he knows his value is set pretty high right now. But and I will say, I mean, I think this is this is a deeper problem than Lambert or just any of the players. Uh, uh, Paul Lambert, we've, we've seen two different tactics this season. Um, we've seen more very possession light and possession heavy and and robotically followed those two bands. When we didn't have any possession, we had the lowest speed, we had the lowest shots in the league, uh, didn't want the ball. And now that we do have do anything with it. It's like there is no one with the intelligence to adapt a plan. So there are 11 other players on the pitch playing the side. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, he has tried the different things. He's done exactly what the fans have asked of him. And the players just aren't doing it. And it's it's been really perplexing to see. And there's a point where, you know, players with the general plan the manager set out, they've got to turn react to changing circumstances on the pitch. And no one no one adapts in this team. No one has the footballing brain to just I should move into that space. Yeah. I mean and the frustrating thing is we see glimpses every now and again. You see Benteke once in a while make that move. You see, God, the thing that shocked me was our most consistently creative player uh, on Saturday was Alan Hutton. Absolutely. It's, it's very crazy, uh, this emergence of Alan Hutton as Feminius of Aston Villa, but he certainly who seems to you know take the game by the scruff of the neck. Yeah. Well, I'm going to make the runs. Exactly, and he gets into space. I mean, you think of his his first goal against Leicester, or his only goal against Leicester. Uh, he slid into that pocket in the defense there so Benteke could send him that perfect pass, and it was no work at that point. Just tap the ball in. So essentially, we're concluding that this, we're seeing Aston Villa, whose you know, most uh, cleverest is Alan Hutton. <laughs> I think that's a pretty bad sign for the club right now. Yeah, that's that's pretty much wrong. I mean, his performance last weekend, you know, bolstered my idea that Jack and I talked about last week, who was the best player of the season thus far, and I said, it might be Alan Hutton. And after last weekend, I found myself going, it actually might be Alan Hutton. It is, really. Um, you know, there are, there are players who... Uh, but in terms of the one player who can change things on the pitch, who seems to be a natural leader, is Alan Hunt. Yeah, it's it's been sort of incredible. Um, it actually, I'm going to switch up the order here because it makes me think of an interesting question. A couple of our we asked for questions on Twitter, um, and Chaz Suplex Red at uh, at Chaz Suplex Rad, asked, who would be a better captain than Gabby? He mentions he likes Westwood, but Clark is good, too. Those would have been the first two names I would have thought of, but what about Hutton as captain? Um, yeah. yeah. If you were to look at the 11 names on the page, well, I think Alan Hutton would be a good choice. He's He's got the fire... I mean, he seems to actually give a damn. He's, you know, notoriously bellicose on the pitch. Yeah, I mean, that that could be a drawback. You want your captain uh, to some of the challenges that Anna Hutt is known for at that this season. Yeah. Um, I, when I'd been thinking of people other than Gabby to wear the armband, I had kept going to Clark. Um, 
but just the way we've been talking, it, it's just suddenly struck me that Hutton might be a really good choice as the team captain. Yeah, I mean, again, um, Clark would be good. We're kind of necessarily rotating. So you assume that if Lara isn't playing, Clark's Westwood, I mean, in the point, he's a consistent player, he's good, but he doesn't necessarily strike me on the field, not in the same way that Alan Hutton does. That's true. There's a few pictures from the fight that broke out at the end of the match this weekend, though, where Ashley Westwood looks like he wants to murder someone. It's kind of incredible. <laughs> I yeah, I think we had a we had a couple of expressions on their faces, and uh, though I was annoyed by Karen Clark sending off, yeah. at the same time, there was a certain amount of gratification to see someone who, who looked like he wanted angry to see Jurosakori challenged like that. That's a challenge. Um, and he you know, was a fight for Villa, which I don't think we can see many other players. Yeah. Uh, on Villa Review this week, uh, Chris and Steve talked about the fact that that Clark challenge looked like a guy coming in to protect his friend, which we haven't seen in ages on Villa. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you can, you know, you can try and spot kind of friendly relationships on the field and, oh, I the club afterwards. But, you know, at the same time, really be on the same wavelength. Almost in the same seeming bromance uh, emotion from that first couple of games in the season. Yeah, no, absolutely. They, you know, they've been quite the tandem. And, and But I was just surprised, because I think of Westwood as this very calm guy, and then you look at these pictures, and he looks like the angriest man on the pitch. And he's like, wow, I didn't know you had it in you, Ashley. To be fair, he had just been doing that villainy. Uh, yes. Yeah, that, that is a good point. Uh, I'd be enraged. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, a follow-up question to, you know, who would be a better the captain than Gabby, uh, that mm. I think you've already touched on a little bit, comes from Tweets of Dave. And he, still mm. a, he asks us, does Gabby still have a place in this team going forward? Yeah, I mean, okay, so what's your opinion on this first, Robert, before I go to... Yeah, no, it's yeah. A, I would be okay if we sat Gabby. Um, I think in terms of actual effectiveness, he and Andy Vyman have been pretty much the same this year. Um, mm -hmm. And lately, Lambert seems to have been sitting one for the other. Sit yeah. Gabby. Because, yeah. you know, Andy is still young. He has shown glimpses of he can do something. And it's one thing that Jack and I come back to all the time on the show is... You know, if I have an option between two players who are playing essentially the same football and one of them is young and has potential and one of them is old and has proven that this is what they play, give me the young one every single time. Yeah, and in general sense of Lambert's several platforms, I think one of the biggest ones has um, when he has the choice it's Andy who he sends to a part of the pitch that he's not taking. So it's Andy who drops back into onto the right wing. He drops back into central mid, and that's because he can do that, whereas Gabby can't. Uh, it really is very tough luck because he's been involved in over of our goals this season. Now, admittedly, goals, um, <laughs> but it that you know he's been involved in moments, um, and it's kind of sad. I think Andy has been a little bit hard, um, by Lambert shifting around his. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right on there because he, he hasn't been able to play. He looks best when he gets to play that sort of central striker role. Um, and he's almost never been afforded that opportunity. Uh, I would say, yeah, the quality he, he has, doesn't necessarily have is that he can play between lines. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but at this point, do you... Because Andy, you know, despite the fact that we, we like him and we think he has potential, he has undeniably been crap this year. Um, so do you really play either of them? Well, I mean, about Andy, I'd say he had when everyone else hasn't been bad. Mm -hmm. you, know, you know, I think he's only been bad when the whole team, when the whole system is working. All right, that's yeah. a fair point, yeah. You know, Benteke has looked bad as well, uh, at times when the whole team is working. On team, so um, generally, I prefer to see Andy on the pitch. On a tactical level, 
I can't shouldn't be on the pitch because I think we don't have on the left wing and of the play on the left wing, only Gabby to me to be a sensible option. Alright, that's that's my problem with Gabby on the left wing is he has proven to us this year he has no first touch whatsoever. It's true. Um but I think to a certain extent the left wing is good for Gabby. He's, he doesn't have many options. He doesn't have to try and engage his brain. <laughs> Which, to harsh on Gabby, is it all improves his performance. Uh, if he just has that left wing to run down, his only options are to pass inside him, and restricts the options to things that Gabby is good at. That's a really good point. And I suppose the first touch becomes less of an issue if he's not in the center of the park. Absolutely. I mean, what you see Gabby ever with is with his back to the goal, right onto the goal, because you just know that he's needing to, um, you know, turn around and get forwards. Whereas if he's facing forwards, which he will be doing on the left wing, then he's over and he knows what. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I hadn't thought of it that way, but I guess shifting him out left is a way to mitigate some of the issues of Gabby while maybe making some of the benefits that he still has a little bit more pronounced. Absolutely. And, you know, um, in case he can still play off the last man, but we're not getting ball over the shoulder of the last man often enough to really play him up in that role. Um, and the problem with the left wing is that takes away the slot that you would want to see Grealish, but I don't think we're going to see Grealish many times soon. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, and I've started to come to terms with that. I still wish Lambert would play Grealish, but Grealish is, what, 19 at this point still? Yeah, 19 yeah. still. So, yeah. you know, a lot of people when, and we're going to get to him in just a second, when we brought in Carlos Hill, uh, a lot of people said, you know, oh, it's going to be just like Grealish. And they're like, well, he is three years older, which is a lot in footballing terms. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, as I, I'm, you know, I'm as big a fan of Grealish as anyone. I'm as hopeful, but at the same time, we do have to admit that he has played. You know, he has played the season, and he wasn't the savior. Yeah, that's true. It's absolutely true. I will still say at this point, you know, there's no excuse for Grealish not to at least make the bench. Oh God, yes, no. I mean, the fact that he can't make the bench ahead of Sage Rubia, ahead of Kieran Richardson, is unforgivable. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I've started to back off on my idea that maybe Grealish should start every match, although I still don't think he could hurt us. Um, hmm. But I, I won't back off on the idea that he has to be on that bench every match. He is definitely one of Villa's 18 best players right now. The idea that Ali Soko could, you know, be a viable method only wide player on the left is... I don't even have a word. Yeah, it's... And and that's, that's the issue. I mean, I feel badly for Ali Sissoko because he keeps getting pilloried for not being a great left winger, and that's not what he is. He's been a great left fullback. Absolutely. I mean, we keep abusing him for not doing something that he can't do. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, are, could we find a better left back, someone who could actually play offensively? I think we could, but for what he is, he's fine, and... The mistake is not his, it's Lambert's for making us rely on him as a winger. Absolutely. Yeah, someone he can pass to down that left wing who can grow in for him. Yeah, I mean, it was incredible the overlapping runs that the fullbacks were being asked to do when you think of neither of them as a traditional wingback. The worst aspect of that was that the space in behind gave Mark Albright in the chance to look like a star. Yeah, absolutely. It's the first time this season he's looked any good. Absolutely, and you know it's it's just a matter of if you give people that much space, any moderately talented winger, and that's what Michael will look good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, God, I feel like at this point we could make Barry Bannon look good. I, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> Somewhere we're breaking Kirsten's heart, talking badly about her boy Barry. Uh, <laughs> if Stephen Island look good, then we know. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, let's move into transfers a little bit. Um, oh, good. 
Yeah, we, we, the, the hope that we have. Um, you mentioned Gabby out on the left wing, and that's sort of as a result of something that you ended up writing today uh, about where new boy Carlos Hill fits in. Um, so we ended up getting Hill from, from Valencia for what, 4 million, 5 million euros, somewhere in there, depending on what clauses get activated. Are you happy with the move? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I'm ecstatic with the move, uh, which unfortunately probably points to the state. No, that's a good point. I mean, this is the player that for a Chelsea would be, you know, someone you stock in reserve for years to come. But for Villa, suddenly we all think and know he can slot into the starting 11 and instantly improve this club. Yeah. Mr. Quay, we've just signed a man about £3 million whose besties have been in the Spanish second division and whose total, you know, whose total over two seasons was five goals. The thing yeah. that I keep coming back to, though, and I think you wrote about it in your in your first profile of Hill, uh, is I don't think we should ever be looking at him as a goal scorer. No, no. Um, is he ever going to get better in front of goal? Do you think? Um, yeah, I or think does he possibly could. Um, I don't think difficult goal scoring is one of those kind of attributes that I seem to have or not have. And that's not something to really change over their career, apart from, you know, apparently, Darren. Um, <laughs> I, I guess, I guess the more relevant uh, question is can not can he change, but does he need to change? Is that something he needs to add to his skill set, or is it fine to just have him as a supremely talented creative winger or I think central mid? Just, I think it's fine to have him as a creative talented. You know, people don't have a go at, say, sex fabrics. No, I'm pulling out comparisons that are ridiculous at the moment. Uh, we might as well think big. No one complains to sex fabrics because it isn't good enough, say. Um, you know, if we start getting in positions to score, you know, perhaps he will get better at it. Yeah, that's a really good point. The, the thing that's really impressed me in those YouTube videos we found, and of course you know, be wary of YouTube videos, is, is, you know, the one that you posted was a highlights match of Sevilla. And, you know, it was not a Carlos Hill highlight package. It was just a, here's what happened in the match. And he was involved in every single thing that happened after he came onto the pitch. I love his, I love what looks like at least his mold all over the pitch. And I'd say... And the most optimistic uh, point for us is a guy who has chosen to leave Valencia without getting the matches that he deserved. So this is a strong sense of his own potential. Yeah. Uh, a very strong, you know, he's obviously got the kind of work ethic to fulfill that potential. You know, yeah. and I think we could look for anything better in a new signing than that. No, exactly. I think you're very right. And like you pointed out, Valencia, not Sevilla. I don't know why I screwed that up, but... Uh, <laughs> he was yeah, that, I mean, that, uh, uh, his highlights against Cordoba, it showed things that our team is lacking. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there were passes in there that, to me, the, the greatest highlight of our season thus far, and it seems stupid, is not Alan Hutton's goal, but the Christian Benteke pass that led to Alan Hutton's goal. Because it was, it was the pass that we haven't seen from anyone else before or since this year. And it looked like that pinpoint pass into the box was exactly what Heal is good at every single time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's got he's got technical control. He's got good crossing ability. But well, what's amazing is that he's left-footed and he's coming. Yeah, it it shows that there's a lot of room for versatility there. And when I first was reading and hearing about him, I kept hearing winger, and you pointed out on Monday or Tuesday rather. Uh, that central mid might be his his best area. Yeah, and this I suppose is where I'm going to change the tone slightly. This is where I'm worried. I'm worried that uh, Lambert's going to do is he's going to put him in a he's going to put him on the right next to the, uh, the right in the position that we sometimes seen in Zobie this season. Mm-hmm. And you don't think that he would do well in that position? I think you do. We have Leandro Bakuna, and I think and I'm really frustrated that Bakuna had the season to show what he can do in that position. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, against Crystal Palace, he was in the second row of three. Uh, and he, you know, and he still had different shots with Benteke in that match. Yeah, that's a good He's point. Still the one that, you, and, and we are so in the middle attacking position, because Joko just can't Premier League anymore, and we're so weak out on the left, that to put him on the right, where we do have a player who can be there, would be a huge waste. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Um, I guess part of the issue becomes, you know, at this point, Sanchez and Westwood have cemented themselves as starters, so they'll be there. And mm-hmm. then the question is, who else gets there? Does does because we know that Lambert loves to play with the three strikers, and that means you've only got one other midfielder you can have, and or do you use? heel in that front line there in a 4-3-3, or do you use him as, you know, one of the wingers in a 4-4-2? I guess the issue is he doesn't really fit into Paul Lambert's tactics given our team selection right now. As I said, my feeling is that uh, Lambert is thinking of him going 4-3-3 on the right side at the top, uh, uh, which I don't agree with, but I suspect that's where he'll still think, you know, he'll be an improvement there. What well, our central trio remains Sanchez, probably cleverly, Joe Cole. What about Delph? Uh, yeah, absolutely, Delph when he comes back. Yeah. Uh, that relies on us still having Delph at the end of this window. Delph is back for this weekend, right? Um, I don't know. How long was his suspension? It was a three-match suspension, because it was just a straight red suspension. Let's give that against... Um, it looks like he is back, is what I'm seeing here. He is back. Okay, well, that, that does change the... Because then you absolutely do have someone who in front of uh, Westwood and Sanchez and make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so in that sense, in that sense, playing over on the right, uh, makes makes a difference, uh, but I super prefer to see him, for example, over on the yeah, and uh, and people finally come into the side. Mm-hmm. The set piece options that we would have, Will and Bakuna on the pitch. Oh yeah, it would be incredible to see that. I I, I was really miffed at the idea that you know Leandro Bakuna came out after that match and he said. You know, there it is. I'm done. I'm not going to be in the starting eleven anymore. And it's like he wasn't yeah, that, that. He wasn't that bad. Crazy. I mean, the statistics show that he was the best on the pitch that day against Crystal Palace. Yeah, exactly. You know? And, and he, he's been played in a position that was horrible. He's been played in a position. With him, he had Gabby, who wasn't moving. You know, and he was just playing in that thing that we saw him do, where he gets up to the right wing. And we, you know, no one's within 30 and all he can do is put a cross into the box. Yeah. And, um, and that's a horrible position to be in. But if you just him pushed further up the pitch, he scored five goals. You know, he scored as many as Gabby and Andy scored. Yeah, absolutely. And and he's he's a really class player. And, and I guess it speaks to the attitude of the team that he had, you know, he was definitely one of the five best players on the pitch that day for Villa, and he had that kind of a day, and he just knew. He's like, well, Lambert's not going to like that. I'm out of the starting 11. Absolutely, and I, I really hope that doesn't point to the last indication of Lambert where players just get sidelined. Yeah, I mean, because that has been an issue throughout Lambert's tenure. I mean, think of Matthew Lowton last year. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, I think we all look at is the bomb squad and Alan Hutton. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I, I really, I really hope that's not happening. So I really do think he has a chance to, he could develop, be a really good player for this squad because he, he's really young as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, a vision of him on the right and Hill on the left as wingers. You know, I know that you, um, you love the idea of Carlos Hill on in the middle, but I don't. The think reason I want him there is because. The reason I want him there is because Valencian fans, as you've been talking online, have said that one of the reasons that he didn't necessarily shine for Valencia was because he wasn't given to play in the centre. Okay. And uh, 
that, he, you know, okay, he did possibly sometimes disappear out of right, but if he played in the centre, that's where he looked like he wanted to be. Because he gets involved in everything then. Yeah, it lends itself to that quality you were talking about, where he wants to be involved with the pitch. Yeah, that's a good point. I, uh... I guess my issue with that is I just don't see it happening with both Westwood and Delph around. If Delph leaves, I think there's an opening there. Uh, I agree, possibly. Uh, when you see him then possibly, you know, if we were playing a 4-4-2, is not to, uh, to play him as a second striker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could, uh, that would absolutely work. Um, I guess part of what's throwing off this, you know, tactical thing is the fact that Sanchez is playing that deep midfield role and playing it wonderfully, so I'm not sad about that, but it sort of screws off the symmetry of any formations you're trying to build around him. Yeah, and this is suppose I'm quite keen to see he'll go out over to the left just because it feels you know, like a space in the squad is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some of the left looked fantastic in what yeah. we've seen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of our Twitter friends tweeted at us, uh, GrassMad, is one signing enough for January, or could we see another? Uh, uh, is it enough? I we'll mean, take the first half. Yeah, do you want to go ahead first? Uh, I don't think it's enough. I think mm-hmm. we need some more work to do. Because um, the reason I'm taking this in two parts is because I don't think these are mutually exclusive. It may not be enough, and we may not see another. Um, but I don't yeah, think it's absolutely. enough. I, I think we need something else. Um, I'm not sure where, but just an infusion of something. We don't need another central defender since Ron Vlar isn't leaving. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, once those injuries start clearing up, because Baker's back, Clark will be back after a one-match suspension. We've got three central defenders now. We'll have five. We don't need another one of those. Um, you know someone else that can help create or that can maybe finish. Uh, I know before the show you were talking, you thought we needed, what was it? Uh, so I think, I mean, I think the one that we definitely need is we need someone to go on to the left wing, and I mm-hmm. think I probably agrees with that, which is why we're still hearing stuff about this Scott scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, rumbling on. Uh, just because, as I said, Sissoko needs someone who can cross the ball, and Lambert doesn't seem to trust Green. Uh, into that position. So I think we absolutely need something to go in on. Uh, the other thing I would suggest is that we probably need with one, I think the left wing is more important, but we could probably do with having a striker, another striker option. Yeah, and at first I sort of balked when you said that because I think we've, we've got Kozak coming back, but like you pointed out before the show, you know, Kozak's coming back after a year out with a broken leg and a botched recovery. Um, and even if Kozak comes back, another striker could do well to push Gabby out of the lineup. Not just to push Gabby, but to push Benteke. I mean, I know uh, at least one of our writers, Alex, has been very strong on the fact that, uh, you know, he's undroppable at the moment, and he mm-hmm. should not be undroppable. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, he's, he's one of those players that, sort of like Westwood and Sanchez, has secured his spot in the starting lineup. But unlike Westwood and Sanchez, has not done so by playing well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, all Benteke does is stand there for ninety minutes, screaming obscenity around him. We still can't drop him. Yeah, it's we know he has the ability to, and we don't know where anyone else in the team might have that ability. This is a great mental image. Just a guy standing on the pitch, <laughs> raging at the universe. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't think it's too thing right now. I mean, the big problem, though, is strikers get so overheated in January because everyone wants to go. I mean, I read just before, just before Jermaine Defoe has gone to Sunderland uh, for 20000 a week on a three-and-a-half-year deal. Two-year-old. It's so crazy. I, I, an old guy who didn't play very well in the MLS. Yeah. And it's 70,000, I mean, he's going to still be on 70,000, and he's 35. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, and he I was one of the names. Yeah. He was, he was one of the names that I would, that I thought of as, you know, perhaps an option for getting in. And it's just obvious that Villa are never going to finance that. I wouldn't want us to finance that kind of deal. Yeah, um, 
I mean, I guess uh, the funny thing to me is, you know, his contract is wretched, but it also cost them, and cost in quotation marks, Josie Altidore. It was <laughs> a swap and, you know, the, and then that massive contract. And Josie So what you're saying is they have won hugely out of this deal. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> it just, I mean, God, Jermaine Defoe, his price is inflated because he's English, but... Yeah. It shouldn't matter. He's not he, English that anyone cares about. He didn't do well at Toronto. Um, he didn't do really well at Toronto. He had a lot of goals in Toronto, 11 and 19 appearances, but, you know, he didn't look all that great. Yeah, I think there, there was some off-field drama as well there because he never been North America, but just generally the quality of strikers available in the window looks bad. Uh, Crystal Panish just... So online uh, on loan from Arsenal, mm -hmm. I think. Uh, so there goes one option. I think Arsenal might be looking to loan out Joel Campbell as well at some point, but he doesn't want. Yeah, I mean, I I like your idea that we could use another striker, and I don't think you're totally wrong. But as you're pointing out, I'm not sure there's a good option out there that won't sink us financially. No, I mean one name that did pop up online that I. Current idea of is that Brian Rees is still playing for Fulham. Really? Um, yeah, absolutely. Even he's not necessarily getting regular games at the moment. Uh, and he had a scoring record. He always struck me as a classy striker. Yeah, that would um, be. You know, he's twenty. He's a twenty-nine-year-old. It depends on the wages. We have no that you know that Andy even knows his name. Um, yeah, so, I guess, you know, we could see him. That would make sense. Um, yeah, he's used to playing as a second striker uh, behind the guy. You know, I think, I mean, I, I've got no idea, but I'm saying that's the type of striker that we'd have to be looking at. Yeah, I like the idea that he speaks Spanish. We can have a Spanish line from Sanchez to Gil to Ruiz. Absolutamente. Uh, <laughs> so that, so uh, that's the kind of thing that perhaps we're going to be... You know, yeah. that, that's what I'd like. It could possibly lead to phasing out Gabby, which I think some would argue that we should have started doing three, four years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, he hasn't looked good. He The thing with Gabby that always amazes me is he looks good for, like, a two-match stretch, and he earns himself a spot in the team for ten matches based on, you know, two matches where he goes torrid and then just is junk. He's in that absolute... Zone where he just, you know, he he's too good to to let go because you just know that he's for championship, but it's not at all clear that he's good enough uh, for you know even the mid-table Premier League. Yeah, no, absolutely. I hear uh, if we need a striker, that there's this guy named Darren Bent available. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a big name a few years back, wasn't he? What yeah. Happened no. to him? No kidding. I mean, just think he saved our season in 2010-2011 and then just uh, fell off a cliff. There's got to be I mean, there's got to be uh, the associated reputation of loss of face involved in bringing a player back outweighs any possible benefits he could have. <laughs> yeah, no um, kidding. It's just And I think that that's probably where it's got to. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so maybe another striker, maybe a left winger, but to answer that question is one signing enough. I think we would both agree that we need another signing. At least one more. At least. Yeah. One. Do you think we'll actually Just... see another signing though? Yes, I think we will. Okay. Uh, I think Lambert. I mean, I think Lambert is in for a start. I, I, you know, I don't think uh, I don't think he take either take the high road out or get forced out soon. Um, and I think he does recognize we, that we have on the pitch, and I think he will go and sign. If that's someone, is anyone that we're going to be excited by? That's a, yeah. different, that's a totally different matter. It depends whether you're excited by Scott. Do you think we see Delph leave this month? I, yeah, I think that we do. Um, because the difference between Delph and Blar is that he has at least two possible buyers this summer. Mm -hmm. uh, I think them would both be fairly strongly interested. Um, if not, there will be at least one other team that's interested. 
So someone will want to secure his services uh, before he's not free. Yeah. And it would just be too ridiculous to let Lara and Delph go in the summer, even to- for Villa. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. Um, the only thing that's making me a little hesitant and thinking Delph will go is we haven't heard anything in about a week. Uh, there, there was that quick connection with Liverpool a little bit, but that didn't strike me as anything that was... It struck me as more Liverpool might try that in the summer than now. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I know the one thing that a couple of commenters mentioned which would be the worst happened. If Delph has already agreed privately with the club that he would then that's just it. Like, we don't get nothing. You know, nothing happens. Uh, yeah. Now, one element of the transfer that I'd be interested to ask you about, because I know that you're a big Tom Cleverley, you are the Tom Cleverley fan club, <laughs> is that how does how, how does the thing affect Tom Cleverley? Because I don't, I don't think we see another team and Tom Cleverley in the same window. Yeah, I... I've come to the point where I think it's crazy for Villa to actually exercise their purchase option on Cleverly right now. Right. Um, Is that at the, at the reported figure of 7.5? Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I don't think he's worth 7.5 million right now. Yeah. Uh, we just got a player who's way better than Tom Cleverly for less than half that price. Because... Um, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll still say the same thing I have all season about Tom Cleverley. He doesn't make many mistakes. He's a solid, average player. Yeah, and, well, if they're in a better position, I would take him and, you know, I'd take him and say it's just too good a player not to to grab. Mm-hmm. But we're not in that position where we can do that kind of thing. You know, I know I know we'll be kicking ourselves if it turns out that in summer he's Everton and you know he suddenly turns into not just turns into the attacking Tom Cleverley and starts scoring goals. Yeah, I I don't know. The, I think the there's, fact is that, yeah. Go ahead. I I just think there's value in that average player and that they they're worth keeping around and you need a few of those, but I don't think they're seven point five million. Worth of value in that kind of a player. No, absolutely. And uh, you know, we got Westwood. Kieran Richardson can probably fill in. Prove it's not inspiring, but he can. So you really need another defensive passing. Probably yeah. not. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's cleverly. My my interest has waned in him as Westwood has really proven himself. As Sanchez has come along. Um, because when I really developed my love for Cleverly, it was Sanchez wasn't playing well, Westwood was still getting his feet under him, Delph wasn't looking like Delph of last year. Uh, so having a guy in the midfield who didn't screw up was really valuable. Our midfield has settled in decently well, at least the central and defensive part of the midfield has settled in well enough that he doesn't strike me as quite as valuable as he was at the beginning of the season. Yeah, and when I resisted it, the criticism that Cleverly Justice sideways is beginning to ring true every week. Yeah, God, I don't know. A little part of me, I, I see what you're saying, but his forwards almost never give him the options of going anywhere else. And he does arrive occasionally in dangerous positions. Yeah, exactly. You know, he had that moment against Leicester that he should have buried. Yeah, and I think we saw that earlier in the season. It was a similar one where he arrived in the box at exactly the right moment. Had he buried those chances, we could well be talking, you know, about his third or fourth top scorer of the of this Premiership campaign, <laughs> and uh, you know, if you list lose him, but he didn't. So yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think it's worth the gamble. I think I think five million. I would say yes, because I think you can go out and find his kind of player. That you can find a bunch of them at the five million level. So wait until the and summer. You, if, if he wants to stick with Villa and we get him for free, and you know maybe as a result we increase his wages a little bit because we're not spending anything on a fee, uh, then I think go for that. You know, Use that as incentive to keep him here. Yeah, I mean, I've got to say my instincts are that if we don't grab him now, Everton will take him in the summer. And, you know, I, I don't think he's a unique enough player to worry about, you know, if someone grabs him, okay, sure. No, I'm not at all destroyed by that, and, you know, uh, it's between signing him now, or signing a left winger, 
or and certainly a five million or six million left winger this January transfer window, we should definitely go for left winger. Yep, absolutely. Uh, there's there's not a seven point five million premium on being exactly certain that you'll get average. So can we take the Tom Beverly fan uh, as officially disbanded now? <laughs> yeah, I guess it has. Uh, alas, I still like the guy. I still think he's done good or done well for Villa this year. Uh, and yeah. done good for Villa. Uh, it's kind of a shame that you know, to a certain extent, it's not being. You know, he's he won't feel like he's been put into with him to rehabilitate his reputation. I'd like to see him in an attacking role. Just see, just give him a match as an attacking mid and see if he can do <laughs> anything with it. I'm not sure he can, but I'd be intrigued to see if he could. Just try it once. But sure, had he wanted to take up the attacking role, I mean, it's in the middle of the in the middle of any Villa side where anyone who wants to take that attacking role could try. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, you know, he's had the opportunity and he hasn't done it, so... He could you know, just shove Joe Cole aside and said, right, I'm I'm here next up. Yeah, exactly, I'm, yeah. And shoving Joe Cole aside would probably have broken Joe Cole. <laughs> yeah, as, as many, many Leicester players showed. Uh, God, I couldn't match. believe within ten minutes he looked gassed. Yeah, I mean, he just he just looked petulant for taking the ball away from him. You know, yeah. he looked he looked like to cruelty to pensioners. And, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, it's it's a big shame because you know we we did have that one match. Uh, it's good. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's probably Jericho. You sign him and you get one match where he looks. And he was a free transfer, so sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, if he if he sits down and you know teaches him what he was like 10 years ago, great. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's all we could have ever expected out of Cole. Before we, dive, before we dive into the Liverpool match, uh, and it's sort of tangentially related to the Liverpool match, uh, P. McCarthy1994 asked us, how do you feel about the planned protest this weekend? Right, I, d- I don't know. I, d- I don't want to to dive into controversy on my debut. <laughs> you take the lead on this, Robert. All right, that, that's absolutely fine. Um, <laughs> the thing that's made me really happy is, had this happened last year, I would have been sort of floundering, because as someone who lives in the States, I, I don't know the culture around the concourse as well. And we've been lucky that James, who lives in Birmingham, who goes to matches somewhat regularly... Uh, has taken the lead on this, and if you haven't read his stuff, James has written three articles on the site about the planned protest, and I think done a really marvelous uh, And his argument, which I think is a good one, uh, is it's not a protest that accomplishes much. If you get everyone to just stand on the concourse for eight minutes, if you're standing on the concourse, which means you're club, so from a business end, how is that hurting the club in the slightest? It's just hurting the players on the pitch. Um, someone Absolutely. That I, that was that, really that, interesting that the vast majority of the whole end where this is planned for are the whole tenders are season ticket holders. So they bought their tickets and bought. Yeah, and this one links into what the Aston Villa review goes, which is that you know there's a certain sense of futility in that is in America, and you know if the ultimate problem is then this achieves nothing at all. Yeah, it's, you know, do you do it in this case? And, and that's the thing I found about this protest. There have been other things, um, other things that I've seen Villa fans do in protests that I've just said that's stupid and it's dumb. I don't think this is dumb. I'm just, I don't think it's the best course of action. I'm not sure there is a good course of action at this point. Yeah, um, man, it's really difficult to say, because... You know, there good reasons for why Villa fans are completely frustrated. The one thing that annoys me about this is that a lot of talk on the posts that got put around some of the other Villa fan sites that you know a positive protest that you know it was going to be nothing negative, eight minutes on the concourse, and then 82 minutes of supporting the side. Well, one, if you're not there for the first eight minutes, what message does that send to the players on the pitch? Is that going to be for a 90-minute match against Liverpool. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I, uh, if that whole end is quiet for those first eight Liverpool, 
Villa have shown this year. We can give up three goals in in, in easily. Yeah. I mean, and and you know I don't expect, but God, you know. And then you come. How do you be supportive for 82 minutes if they're down uh, two or three nothing? Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing is that there is there is absolutely in that 82 minutes there is going to be. You just know that the first time, the first misplaced pass, the first time that we go sideways, you know, there is just going to be boots. You know, the way that these people are talking on the comment boards, there is no way that this positive, you know, uh, what the lads protest. Not at all. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. It's, it's, there's no way that you get those 82 minutes in there. Because the atmosphere is toxic as it is. Um, I guess one of the bigger points that keeps being raised what are they protesting? Do they want Lerner out? Because if they do, guess what? He does too. <laughs> I, I suppose if you ask that, I, I would suggest it's, the idea is to pressurize uh, to pressurize Lerner getting rid of Lambert. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, guys the only other option is possibly that Lambert, Lambert himself just walks away. Yeah, exactly. That's what Chris Nee was talking about on Villa this week, was that Milan will resign. Because I think that Chris is right. It's the only way we Lambert at this point. I mean, so. and I don't, I, I don't think he's going to do that. Uh, you know, I, I, think, I think, for a start, you've got to think about the effect of this is going to his career. He's been here for three years, um, you know, up until you know, an upward trajectory. You know, if he if he walks away now, where does he go next? I don't think you know, he doesn't team that upward trajectory. He doesn't get like the Brendan Rodgers job when he wants he up to Liverpool. I guess I mean I still think football teams have short memories when they hire managers. Um, I think he hired somewhere on the basis of his work at Norwich, and deservedly so. He he did phenomenal stuff at Norwich there, and uh, it 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 could get him another job. No, I mean I'm sure he will get another job. You know his track record in, uh, in the transfer market is fine. He's going to have absolutely the defence that he has to work with. But I just think his self belief at the moment he thinks he can you know he can do a job here. Yeah, and. And yeah, I'm inclined to say that. I don't think there's any way he gets fired because of that contract. In in retrospect, I didn't think the contract was great at the time, but in retrospect, giving him a contract was wildly stupid. Yeah, so, you know, um, it's because you know we had relegation relegation level football, and you know, let's not say now we are absolutely in a relegation battle again, and we're not going to be at battle for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, unless something really weird happens and we go on a three-match winning streak, and really, that's the strange thing. With as bad as the league is this year, a three-match winning streak would almost guarantee us safety. And sadly, we just passed up our best chance of a three-match winning streak, you know, yeah. over this. Yeah, I mean, just think, if we had won those three matches, Leicester, Palace, Sunderland, I would be willing to say at this point that Villa were safe. Sitting at 31 points... 22 matches through the season. Because it's not going to be 40 this year. It's going to be, what, 36, if that? Yeah, I mean, I still think, I still think there are enough poor sides in the league that we're probably not going to go down. I mean, half and me are both pretty much nailed on to go down. You know, between West Brom, Crystal Palace, Sunderland, and Leicester, there's at least one of us that will probably trip up more than us. Just because we, for they don't have Benteke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but it's you know it's not progress. No, it it is not progress at all. Um, but but I mean back to the back to the protest. I don't. I wouldn't necessarily support the. I think the place it's coming from is negative. Uh, I think the atmosphere that it's going to create around. I mean, look at think about poor. You know, he's going to be walking in from a manager who welcomes him, just being you know, screaming, <laughs> screaming in the stands for that manager to go. 
yeah, that's you know that's a pretty horrible situation into which to walk, and and I think you're right. It's going to send a bad message. I I don't love this protest. I don't violently hate it like I have other protests, but I I don't see it accomplishing what they want it to accomplish. No, and um, to me, I, I'll be very interested to see how much of an effect it has uh, mm -hmm. today. My suspicion is that it will seem it seems bigger on the internet. Than, um, you know, on in the stadium itself. Certainly, you know, when you went onto the Birmingham Mail website, for example, the comments were very, very strongly split between a lot of people who said, you know, I'm going to be there sat there in my seat supporting the guys. You know, I, I James Rushton, I, you know, he put up a great, you know, I wrote I thought was a really great one. You know, the best protest is just to get out there and support support the players. Yeah, absolutely, because you know they haven't gotten that in a while. You know, I, I enjoyed his idea, just cheer every successful pass and, and go crazy. And I understand why people don't like that, because given how bad Villa have been this year, it's hard to be optimistic and that cheerful about them. But, you know, it can't hurt to try. Yeah, and there's got, you know, there's got to be a way to react to it with, you know, at least a similar, at least, the, you know, some kind of, some, something that would acknowledge the problem, but doesn't necessarily just go straight to aggression. You know, I I was posting about the name of the team now. I wouldn't be able to pronounce it if I could. It was a team in one of the Scandinavian leagues that, you know, their team didn't score for five goals, so they all bought big placards with arrows pointing towards goal, which they would show. And, you know, that's the kind of thing that would show that you're yeah, a bitch, but you're responding, responding in a positive manner. Yeah, exactly. I saw that video, and it was really fantastic. Uh, you know, and you'd like to see something like that. It'd be hilarious I, I, to see a full hold in doing that. <laughs> Absolutely, I, but you know, I'm. It's just looking at the entire way this protest has been presented. You know, this whole "we want our villa back." Just from who? It's you know, it's like they want the villa from the massed forces of twenty years of, you know, of the runaway. Of Premier League, and you know the fact that Villa just aren't a big anymore, and all of that stuff, and you know that like, is ever going to be productive. Yeah, no, that's a that's a really good point. We've got to deal with you know the Premier League as it exists right now. So yeah, I mean we can't just keep talking about how big a club we are. Yeah, we've got to start talking about the steps that you can make that you can be a big club again, and because otherwise we're Newcastle, you know, otherwise Newcastle. You know, and we just create a toxic atmosphere for every manager. Yeah. Well, let's close up here really quickly with Liverpool. Uh, this Saturday, protest or no protest, the match will still go on. Uh, there's a decent chance that Carlos Hill starts. Uh, Villa have done surprisingly well against Liverpool in the past few years. Do you think that trend continues? <laughs> oh, God. But it has anything other than that Leicester match, I might be tempted to say, yeah. Um, let's go positive. I still against this Liverpool side. You know, uh, they, the last result, they narrowly squeezed out a 1-0 win against Sunderland, drew 2-2 against Leicester a few weeks back. Not the finished article by any means. Yeah, absolutely. And they're not the side that we saw last year. You know, God, they had no answer for losing Luis Suarez. Absolutely not. I mean, you know, we we saw Manfield, we saw the full effects of having Ballard in place for Suarez, and they were hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and, and Villa won that match, which is just crazy. Yeah, um, and now unfortunately I don't, I don't think I don't think they're gonna make that mistake again. I don't think we're gonna see nine Balotelli uh, losing the ball and luck. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. My wonder is, I don't think of this as a Liverpool team with a lot of firepower, and Villa's defense is pretty good. Uh, I know they've been boring lately, but is this a place where we could actually go in hoping for a 0 Oh, God. Um, no, I don't think it is, unfortunately. No? You, you don't think we can hold them off the score sheet? Oh, I think there is, uh, for all that there aren't necessarily great striking talents in that Liverpool side, they play with two very aggressive wing-backs at the moment, 
you know, Markovic looks like he might be uh, getting back into getting back into form. And whatever, you know, is still going to be a worry. There are still some midfield dangers there. I didn't get away with a nil-nil. All right. Uh, in my mind, I think that's the only way Villa end up with a point this weekend. Yeah, I mean, it it really depends if change up his change up his um, current formation. You know, they play with two aggressive win backs. They've got three at the back. That creates space down the sides. If mm-hmm. we have a who can run down the sides. Yeah, that's a good point. It, you know, maybe maybe Carlos Hill takes this as his opportunity to be the debutante hero. Uh, he yeah, looks to have I mean, he looks to have not Gabby Agbonlahor pace, but at least a fair amount of pace. He could exploit some of that. Um, you know, despite yeah, your fears I mean, that he won't know. get, <laughs> despite your fears that he won't get in the center, I don't think he will get in the center this time. I think he'll be put on a wing. Um, mm. And I think he could be effective there. You're right. He could exploit that space left open. Yeah, I mean, the, great, the greatest thing that Carlos Hill could possibly do is Christian Benteke to look like he cares. Because Benteke is, has been watching uh, Liverpool specifically uh, yeah. over the last couple of He really does show up for the Liverpool matches, like more than anyone else. Absolutely. I mean, I still have very fond memories of him basically over Skirtle. Uh, to score against them, uh, you know, and you know, uh, to sort out uh, back three that looks like it's particularly solid. You know, absolutely, Benteke has the talent of that that Liverpool defence. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Um, I'm by no means optimistic. I I think this ends up two nothing Liverpool. Um, but that said, I could. You know, I could see this being the only way I think we get that point, like I said, is a nil-nil. But maybe Benteke shows up. Maybe they shock us. It seems like the Liverpool match is every year where we get shocked by Villa. Yeah, unfortunately, it's normally the Liverpool match uh, rather than at Villa Park. Yeah, that's the problem. And and we've had our one shock out of Liverpool <laughs> this year. So <laughs> We're kind of asking for a freebie. Right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, at this point... No. Any hope I have is based on irrationality. Uh, you know, the the you know, rational Charlie, thinking man says we're doomed. Absolutely, and uh, you know I think we we have there's it's very likely that we're going to go into these three macro points and be in the relegation zone at the end of the, of the matches. Yeah, absolutely. But I, <laughs> you Carlos don't Hill has a wonderful. No, yeah. it has a wonderful debut. He instantly creates a partnership, with me, and suddenly we're scoring goals. I I hope he scores a goal just to make everyone be quiet about the fact that he can't score. And the the reason I would play him from the beginning is because that's the only way you get a guaranteed cheer park uh, this Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's a good point. I mean, as as a response to the protest, you put in the new guy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, are Villa fans willing to sit for that first eight minutes or give our new signing, you know, uh, a warm round of applause? Yeah, that's... that's I hope the answer is no. I hope... Yeah, Um, I hope so too, because I I really hope he comes in and does well. I think there's so much potential there. The one thing you've got to remember, though, is he could come in and pull a Carlos Sanchez and look like junk for a few matches. And we've got to be patient with him, because he clearly has the talent to be really good. Absolutely. The one, the one benefit for him is that he looks like junk. That's fine. You know, he's replacing Joe Cole. <laughs> he's replacing Jarzan Zogbia. <laughs> be worse than junk. You know, so uh, if he walks in and does abs for 90 minutes, we've not really lost anything. Yeah, no, that's that's actually the one nice thing about Villa right now is you can try anything you want because you're not going to get any worse. Yeah. Perhaps that should be our parting message for Paul Lambert this week. Yeah, Paul, yeah, do something great. interesting. Pretty much. Yeah, do anything interesting. You're not going to get any worse than scoring 11 goals. I mean, you know, he's bulletproof as manager, it seems, essentially. Uh, the team can't get any worse, and he's just got a new signing, and he might as well go crazy and experiment, because it depends he has to do so. 
That's that's a great point. I I certainly hope he heeds that. So my prediction, though, sadly, is still uh, Villa zero, Liverpool two. What do you think happening? Oh god. Um, unfortunately, I'm going to say get a goal. I'm going to say two one, and I'm going to say uh, you know Benteke does Gil. I'm going to say Hill to Benteke and gives him an assist. So we get a cheer for the debutant. Benteke gets to keep his transfer for the summer, and uh, we still lose. <laughs> the story of being an Aston Villa fan. <laughs> but hey, I mean, you think that's still a positive, <laughs> still a positive story? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's something that we get to write about that isn't a dire zero zero. So. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, well, perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining this week. We really, I really appreciate it. Um, and we will be sure to have you back whenever you're free. As always, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I hope you're looking forward to Jack's return from his Bundesliga, his Bundesliga duties in Florida. Yeah, exactly. Where everyone thinks to go watch the Bundesliga. <laughs> absolutely. I probably sold you something there. Down <laughs> to Florida because they've got something to do with the with the Bundesliga. <laughs> yeah, right. They they're doing some because they take. I don't know if it's just the Bundesliga or if it's all the continental leagues. They take January mostly off, and so it's like this four match friendly tournament thing they're doing down there. Oh, okay. Well, that makes that makes a little bit more sense. But anyway, I mean, yeah. Thank- makes me wildly <laughs> jealous. I wish Villa got the month of January off. <laughs> oh god, yeah, that would have been that would have been better. Give me several <laughs> other months of the season off as well. <laughs> Just take the whole thing off and end up in second place thanks to alphabetical order. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, thank you so much, and uh, thank you to everyone for listening. As always, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, BTR. Um, if you're on iTunes and you don't mind, please leave us a review. Uh, I'd love to see us actually get a few, even if it's not the greatest one in the world. Let us know what you'd like to hear. Let us know what you'd like to change. You can, of course, find us on Twitter, uh, at 7500Holt, and check out Adam on Twitter, at Adam Clarker, C-L-A-R-K-E-R-S. Uh, But that will do it for us this week, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening.